You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM. Hello there and you're very welcome to Tech Thursday. This is Patrick Sheehan with you for the next hour or so. Uh, going to be answering any questions you might have, any tech-related questions, things like that. Um, you can always call 069 or you can text 87 And that goes for WhatsApp as well. You can WhatsApp your messages to 87 yeah, as I say, as I do every week, uh, any questions you might have tech-related, and we'll look through all the latest in tech, the latest innovations, the latest updates, things like that, and see what's going on in the world of technology and into science and things like that. Um, and starting off, we actually have a message from Michael um, in Broadford, and he's a podcaster, and he said he uses Audacity, uh, which is an audio recording software, but he says it crashes fairly often. And he'd often be after recording a full show and it crashes and what can be done about that. And so there's a few things, I suppose. Well, the simplest thing maybe is try a different software or, um, or you know, yeah, try. But a lot of them, you see, that's a free one. And there's a lot of the other ones then are paid. Uh, but there's some older softwares that are free. Um, there's some alternative versions and stuff like that. And there's some cheaper ones where you can buy off. But like the likes of Adobe Audition and stuff, um, would probably one of the good ones, one of the best ones. But uh, you have to pay, uh, I think it's 25 euros a month or something, subscription for it. So, um, Or you can pay like a yearly thing as well. So it's quite expensive unless you're really making a lot of money out of it. Um, so... What I could say is, why would it be crashing? A lot of the time, maybe your CPU has been fully used. So maybe if you didn't have too many other windows open, or if um, what a lot of people do is actually have a computer of its own with the audio, uh, just audio plugged into it from another computer that's doing all the work. And that, that actually records or something like that, where there's less pressure on it. So to have as little as possible running on the computer that's recording your audio. Or if you had like a Zoom recorder, you could plug an input, uh, an output out of your computer into that and record there as well as a kind of a backup. Um, you could just do a general cleanup of your computer. Maybe there's too many background th- processes happening that you don't know. Uh, that often happens as well, uh, that there's a lot of stuff happening in the background that you don't know about and it's eating up your CPU and that's why it ends up crashing. Um, so maybe the the actual software itself has got corrupted. Maybe you need to just uninstall it and reinstall it again, and it might work better. So there's a, there's a number of different things that you can try, and hope you get on well with it. Uh, so let's we'll have a browse through. As I say, any questions like that, and of course uh, you can always email reception one hundred two at gmail dot com as well. I don't know if I mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, but that's another way to to get your uh, get your questions in anything tech related, and I'll do my best to look it up and kind of answer it for you. Um, to start off with, da- data analytics company Moonshot to set up a, a Dublin office. Uh, data analytics company Moonshot has set up a new software development centre in Dublin, creating 37 new roles over the next three years. The Irish uh, co-founded company designs technology and methodologies to identify and mitigate online harms such as terrorism and organised crime. Uh, Moonshot, which is a client of the IDA, was founded in London in 2015 by Irish entrepreneur Ross Frenet 
and Vidaya Ram Ramlegam, sorry if I mispronounced that from the US. Um, it has delivered uh, threat monitoring and ana- and analysis digital campaigns, tailor- tailored interventions, and a range of other services over fifty seven countries and thirty seven thirty three languages for governments, tech companies, and international organisations. I suppose it's a good time for a company like that with all this hacking and things going on. But I don't know, is this more for spotting terrorism and things like that rather than hacking? Uh, but it's it's looking online for threats and things like that anyway. So um, it's a good time for a company like that. And it's a good good to see an Irish entrepreneur doing well. So uh, that's good for them. Um, employment on National Broadband Plan uh, passes... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, 1,000 mark. Is it employment of people or employment of how many houses they've done? National Broadband Plan said today uh, over 1,000 people have been employed by the project. Oh, okay, so that's the amount of staff they have uh, they have hired. Uh, the broadband National Broadband Ireland is delivering the National Broadband Plan, which aims to provide high-speed fibre broadband to over 1.1 million people. On behalf of the government, the National Broadband Plan will connect over 544,000 homes, businesses and farms across Ireland to high-speed fibre-to-the-home broadband, using enough fibre to go around the world nearly four times. Yeah, so I notice even a lot of like people in the countryside now have fibre-to-the-home. They've, they've put fibre lines in and they're usually underground, isn't it, um, into their homes and they have high-speed. But I notice a lot of the actual towns, including where I'm living, have... Just the the phone lines, because uh, I actually inquired about it before and they said that there wasn't enough people in your area interested in it or something like that. Um, And see, it'd be a big job as well, because I'm in the middle of like a few hundred houses at least. And um, to to put fiber lines down to supply all them would be a lot. But uh, I think... I don't know. They're, they're, I I think like who wants who doesn't want faster internet? I think there'd be a lot to take up on it. But um, I've never been surveyed and asked if I wanted it or not, if I'd be interested in it or not. And I don't think any of my family in the area have either. So uh, I don't know where they're getting their numbers and things like that. But yeah, it seems to be <laughs> that they're uh, no the the it's just we have as quick a landline I suppose kind of or a, a phone line kind of broadband as you're going to get. Uh, it's up to one hundred, so it's not bad. Like, uh, but I've I'm hearing some you know um, that have like up to five hundred or or a, a, a thousand uh, if you pay for the the, the faster ones. But uh, even a standard as uh, like one hundred and seventy five and things like that from the fiber. Uh, straight to the straight to the home so um, hopefully they can not just do the rural communities they can kind of upgrade the 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 estates and the different areas like that as well it, and it varies a lot as well it depends on how far you are from the from the box say the fiber lines might go to like a junction box at the edge of your estate and it might be distributed out so if you're at the far uh, true phone line so if you're at the far side of an estate you might have much slower internet than somebody at the other side. Uh, it's weird how it works out because um, my brother l- lives near where I am and my dad, and the, the internet is um, slower in their area, but I think they're with another company and maybe the different router and stuff, but they're nearer to the junction box than I am, but they have slower internet, which is very strange. Um, but it could be the router as well. Uh, I have a more up-to-date router and things like that, so that could be something to do with it. But hopefully they they can try to get 
uh, broadband to the home for for people all over. Uh, but it's good because it's so long that I've had that for a long time now, you know, the, the that internet and uh, people in the countryside have, some of them are in different rural areas, even in estates in rural areas, have had none or very slow internet um, for so long that they yeah, they deserve to have a good a good internet as well. So that's good. It's great for them. Uh, but the the broadband plan is, ro- is rolling on anyway. Um, we have a, have a pop-up here. Uh, food delivery apps, uh, up to 44% more expensive, a survey finds. Now, this is in the, the UK, but uh, a lot of them are the, the same kind of companies that are working here. Uh, food delivery apps have experienced a huge boost during the pandemic, but a snapshot investigation for, from Consumer Watchdog, which suggests they may not be the cheapest option. It compared the cost of meals from five eateries uh, bought directly and ordered on apps like Deliveroo, Uber Eats and Just Eat. On average, a takeaway costs 23% more on the app than ordering directly. Uh, the app company said the commission charges were fair. Um, so I haven't um, I haven't really clocked that. I never really compared. I Like if I order online, I just kind of expect it to be the same <coughs> price as on the menu in the restaurant i never thought of that i just thought the extra charge is the delivery price uh, so i haven't ta- thought of that it said uh, deliveries a uh, delivery uh, on average were 31 percent more than ordering directly uh, uber eats were 25 percent more and just eat orders were seven percent more uh, so out of the three the just eat were the, li- the lowest uh, the most expensive order was a burrito and a taco from a mexican restaurant which cuts 43.94 on delivery uh, twelve pounds and twelve twenty uh, twenty nine pence more than ordering directly, forty four percent more. Uh, before adding delivery and service charge, the cost was eight thirty more. Oh, well, that was including delivery and service charge. Okay, so prices on apps. Also, even just the food itself is more expensive. I must keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, prices on apps are generally set by restaurants and they often increase the price to cover the service fees charged. Also, oh, it's the restaurants themselves that do it. Okay, to kind of like they have to pay this company, you know, 3 or 4% of every meal ordered or something. So they'll add on 3 or 4% to the price of the meal in that app. Okay, so we encourage restaurants to set the same price, menu prices as they offer customers when dining in. This is from Deliveroo. Uh, the commission... We charge uh, them is reinvested back into our business, paying the riders' fees, customer service, and upgrading our services for restaurants. So they're justifying the the the, the commission that they charge and things like that. Uh, Just Eat said it believed its common uh, commission rates are aligned with the value we provide to our partners. And Uber Uber Eat said they were focused on ensuring that the best restaurants and the best selection of food is available to customers. Yeah, so that's very interesting. An investigation there by which uh, digital ad industry accused of huge data breach. Uh, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties uh, is suing a branch of the Interactive Advertising uh, Bureau, the IAB, and others over what it describes as the world's largest data breach. The IAB Tech Lab, based in New York, develops digital ad industry standards. Uh, IAB includes uh, Facebook, Google and Amazon. Uh, the case brought by Johnny Ryan centers on the data shared between ad brokers and other firms while ad space is being auctioned as a, uh, as a site loads. Uh, it's known as real-time bidding. 
at the IAB says, imagine we're we're being bidded on and live bidded on when we open up the internet. What ads are going to pop up? And they're like they're like bidding which one, which ones can can get to annoy us <laughs> or get to pop up in front of us. Well, I suppose if it's targeted properly and it's kind of stuff you're into or stuff you're really looking up, which happens very often, um, you, you it might be useful in some ways, but it's uh, it's it can be irritating at other times. Uh, the IEB said it was uh, the first uh, it had heard of the claim, although the court papers are dated May the 18th. Uh, we are reviewing the allegations in conjunction with our local, uh, with our legal advisors and will respond in due course, if appropriate. Um there is a debate about the volume of data gathered about people in order to target digital ads. Although this form of revenue is what currently keeps most internet service uh, free to use. But uh, Mr. Ryan argues that most people using online services are not aware of the amount of data that is shared about them and with whom. Yeah, it's gas like a website will take your data and they'll sell it to others. Uh, they'll And they, a few other companies. So... You know, when you click OK or click Yes on some things, it means you're giving them like your phone number and your your uh, email address and, you know, things that you've looked up and, you know, you don't even know about it a lot of the time. And then they're selling that to other companies and things like that. It's it's crazy. Uh, most people don't even know that it's happening. Uh, as a web page on, now maybe not phone number, but certain websites, I presume, yeah, it depends on what you say yes to. Uh, as a web page or app that carries advertising is loading, information is shared about the device it's loading on. Some details about where the device is and other information including previous website visited and their subject matter. Uh, this data is used by brokers to sell ad space on, yeah, so they, they know what you've been looking up and things like that. Uh, previous websites you've gone to and things like that. So uh, That's why sometimes it'd be recommended to use a VPN and to you know to turn off cookies and things like that and the data is used by brokers to sell ad space uh, on that page in seconds or less targeting the person using the device although the person is not named oh, so they don't say the name they just uh, give you the information of their device and that you can send ads to that device without having their name i suppose if you quickly see advertising spaces before they are filled on a website or app when you open them, you are essentially watching yourself being auctioned at that moment, <laughs> says Mr. Ryan, a former advertising industry professional who is now at the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. There may be hundreds of ad firms representing different clients involved, but the brands themselves are not directly part of the process. The advertising industry says personal identifiable information isn't shared, but critics say the sheer volume of information without a name is still a violation of privacy. That's crazy. <laughs> we click on a website, we don't know there's there's thousands of advertisers uh, bidding to get in to get to show you their ad popping up. Uh, Rockstar ending support for Grand Theft Auto Online for PS3, Xbox 360 in December. Grand Theft Auto's online popularity is still strong more than seven years after it launched, but players who started their virtual life of crime on Xbox 360 and PS3 who continue using these consoles will have to find some new hardware in December. Developer Rockstar Games said on Wednesday it will stop supporting GTA Online for PS3 and Xbox 360 on the 16th of December. 
players on those consoles won't be able to play online uh, play the game online after that date but they will be able to play GTA 5 the game that includes GTA online without issues uh, alright ok so that's cool It'll still you can still play GTA 5 online now uh, prior to the shutdown Rockstar will also stop selling in game currency known as shark cash cards for the PS3 or Xbox 360 on September 15th then on the 16th Rockstar Games Social Club the developer online hub for its games will also stop tracking the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions of GTA Online, L.A. Noir, and Max Payne 3. GTA Online is available on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. will make the jump to PS5 and Xbox Series consoles on November 11th. Oh, so that's interesting. Uh, it's going to be going from the older consoles. Scientists finally know why Giant Star... Betelgeuse dimmed mysteriously uh, when the nearby red supergiant acted started acting funny. Some speculated it could be on the verge of going supernova, but now scientists know what really happened. Uh, back around the end of 2019, before COVID-19 exploded and grabbed global headlines, the possibility of a nearby giant star literally exploding <laughs> captured plenty of attention of its own. Now research suggests that it could be premature to write the obituary for the red supergiant. Uh, it went through a historically sudden and drastic period of dimming over several months in late 2019 and early 2020, leading to some uh, for some to wonder if the gigantic star might be preparing to go supernova. During the so-called Great Dimming of Betelgeuse, the star was ten times darker than usual. Uh, Miguel Montagar. Uh, from the Observatory de Paris in France, and colleagues reported a paper published uh, in the latest issue of the Nature Journal. Uh, the study includes a new analysis of images taken between 2019 and 2020, uh, showing that the Great Dimming was actually being obscured by its own stellar exhalations. Uh, we have directly witnessed the formation of so-called stardust, uh, so it was being blocked by a cloud of stardust, in other words. <laughs> a campaign using the uh, European Super Southern Observatory Very Large Telescope in Chile said in a statement, Red supergiants are the largest stars in the universe, representing a stage in the evolution of giant stars in which they expand outwards, begin to cool, lose mass, and they progress going, on, going out um, with a big blast in the end. So it was just being obscured with some space dust. So it's not too bad. It's not going to explode or anything. Uh, GPS rules everything. A satellite launch this week keeps its upgrade rolling. Uh, it's a lot more than just driving directions. Managed by US Space Force, uh, GPS factors into a huge amount of high-tech world we live in. Uh, on Thursday, a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket will lift onto the heavens from Cape Canaveral, Florida, carrying a boxy 5,000-pound antenna-studded GPS satellite towards its destination 12,500 miles away, up in what's known as medium-earth orbit. Uh, from that distance vantage point, you'll soon beam signals. it'll soon beam, beam signals that will help you find your way to your cousin's new house out in the suburbs or a vacation destination two states away. So this is in America. Uh, I don't know if it'll cover signals here, but it'll cover signals uh, in America anyway. If you stop at an ATM along the way to grab cash, those signals will also help the bank know your withdrawal happened after your direct uh, deposit paycheck uh, refreshes your finances. There'll be a factor too in which your uh, mobile phone 
call to your cousin or a rental agent goes through without garbling or fading. So it's just showing how many, how much uh, satellites actually do. Um, those signals will be coming from a GPS-3 satellite, the newest member of a constellation of satellites that will become a constant and intimate presence in our daily lives. With GPS-3, we're getting not just new boxes in the sky, but a series of upgrades that will make the system better for all of us here on Earth, and we'll need it. The global positioning system has become vital in nearly all sectors of the country's uh, critical infrastructure and the world's critical infrastructure, I suppose, and much of its work happening behind the scenes and likely to get um, much greater much greater extent than you realise. GPS tells us where we are and helps us uh, get where we're going. Yeah, so it's it's very important. So uh, it's so much more than uh, giving driving directions, says Tanya Ladwig, acting vice president of Space Navigation Systems at Lockheed Martin, uh, which built the satellite. Um it's one billion day in economic impact in the US, or one billion a day economic impact GPS has. Um, its reach is simply mind blowing. Yeah, so that's that's uh, new satellites and upgraded, I suppose, more accurate and things like that. Oh yeah, so this is one I heard about yesterday. Uh, Windows Eleven is going to be. Um, I actually saw it in a strange story that somebody with that a new a MacBook with the M1 chip. Uh, saying that they're going to be able to put Windows 11 onto it. So it's going to, like, you can have an Apple computer with Windows 11 on it. I don't know how that's going to work, but that's where I saw the story, but I had to have a look for it this morning, news about Windows 11, because I suppose most computers out there are running Windows 10 or 8, um, but uh, there's going to be a new one coming out. Uh, Microsoft is giving Windows 10 a redesign, but it will, will it be called Windows 11? All right, so it might be just a redesign, but there's a rumors going around of Windows 11 anyway. It might be a brand new one. We've collected all the rumors on what new feature the big update could include. Microsoft may have just rolled out the latest version of Windows 10, uh, the Windows 10 May 2021 update, also known as version 21H1, but a major new release is underway on June 24th. Microsoft will unveil the next generation of Windows. At a, well, that sounds like Windows 11. <laughs> at a virtual event, promising big changes to the long-standing operating system and a possible change uh, to the name Windows 11. At the Microsoft Build Developers Conference on May the 25th, CEO Satya Nadella said Microsoft was planning one of the most significant updates of Windows in the past decade confirming rumors about a major redesign on the horizon for the 13 or 1.3 billion users of the operating system in 2021. And on Sunday, Microsoft quietly announced that it was ending support for Windows 10 in 2025, fueling rumors that the new redesign could be called Windows 11. Well, yeah, if they're cutting off, it, it's already 2021, so that's only four years away. So, yeah, it, you'd expect it to be, uh, uh, to be Windows 11, so... Now here's what we know so far about the ma- the next major Windows 10 update, including potential release, new features and leaks, if it will actually be Windows 11. Uh, the story uh, will be updated as we learn more. So uh, the update reportedly codenamed Sun Valley could bring a redesigned start menu, action center, file explorer and taskbar with a more modern look to the new features. According to a Windows Central report, leaked images uh, first posted on Chinese site Baidu uh, and picked up on by The Verge shows off a more Mac-like interface with a new start menu home screen and startup sound. 
I saw a guy called Tom Warren um, tweeted that out. So uh, if you look at, at Tom Warren, you can see what it looks like. Uh, another factor, Microsoft said it's Windows 10X operating system designed for dual screen devices like Surface Duo and, and Surface Duo, Surface Neo will not actually be released. Instead, Microsoft will build parts of that technology into other parts of Windows and products from the company, according to a blog post. So maybe they're just holding it off for Windows 11. Uh, the Windows Central report said that it's likely some of the feature updates will be based on the same experience found in Windows 10X, but customized for desktop. Uh, when will Microsoft release the next version? Uh, we're likely to find out when the big Windows update will arrive at Microsoft Windows 10 event on June the 24th. CNET's sister site, uh, ZDNet, previously reported that it targeted for the second half of the year, while Microsoft Central reported that it will arrive around the, the Christmas season. Microsoft said it will not have any further information to share at this time. So, Will it be called Windows 11? Uh, with the release of Windows 10 back in 2015, Microsoft was clear that it would be the last version of Windows. Uh, so it seems unlikely that it w would be called Windows 11. But now that Microsoft has officially said it will in support for Windows 10 in 2025, if it's the last Windows, uh, are Microsoft closing down? I don't think so. Uh, the move to Windows 11 or some other moniker. 11 Denizen. Is it a lucky number? Oh, yeah, it's a lucky number. I was going to say it's an unlucky number in China. Uh, but no, it's a lucky number. So I think they'd be happy enough to go. And it doesn't, I don't think it. it's unlucky here or anything. So, uh, Or some moniker seems more likely. Nadella called the next generation of windows in his keynote speech at uh, microsoft build the verge also noted the event invitation includes a logo and shadows that look like the number 11 <laughs> very sneaky and that event is taking place at 11 a.m eastern time uh, which is not a typical seattle based uh, microsoft <laughs> join us on june 24th at 11 a.m yeah so i'm looking at at windows yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe they're hinting at Windows 11. Don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going out there now with a, a risky take, but I think they might be bringing out Windows 11. But we'll have to see, uh, see how that goes. Uh, Apple just made FaceTime between Android and iPhone users easier. Here's how to do it. An iOS 15 FaceTime breaks uh, free from Apple's ecosystem. Here's how Android and Windows users can hop on a video call. Uh, well, if, unless you have a third-party app or something. Uh, the days when you needed an iPhone, iPad, or Mac to join a FaceTime call, video call will soon be over in a move widely seen as Apple's answer to Zoom calls. Uh, the software giant is making it possible for people who have Android phones and Windows laptops to hop on FaceTime, no phone, no phone required. Uh, that isn't to say that Apple devices are... Um, to cut out the process, in fact, there's still uh, so much part of the heart of FaceTime that the system will rely on upcoming iOS 15 operating system to look and work more like Zoom and FaceTime meetings. So how do you do it? Let's see. Most folks will have to wait to try out FaceTime with Android and Windows users after the iOS 15 beta arrives next month. Or when uh, the, the iOS product arrives in the fall, in the autumn. Uh, so here's how the download developer... Oh, so there's a beta version. You just have to get the beta version of iOS 15, and that's how you'll be able to do it. Um, the key here isn't that uh, FaceTime apps uh, is coming to Android and Windows. It's that you'll be able to jump on FaceTime using a link 
if you're using an Android or Windows device and you have a friend or family member with an Apple device, they can send you a link to join a FaceTime call through text or email or WhatsApp on a calendar invite. Once you get the link, all you have to do is click on it and it will open in your browser and you'll be able to join the call from there without having to download a separate app uh, or own an Apple's device. Uh, so that's handy. Yeah, that's handy. It's making it more open to other users, which is unusual for Apple. They usually keep things fairly clo- closed in. Uh, China's crewed spacecraft docks with a sp- with the space station. A Chinese spacecraft carrying three astronauts has successfully docked with the country's space station. Um, its space agency said, after seven hours or seven hours after blasting off, uh, the Shenzhou twelve craft successfully docked with the forward port of the core module uh, of the Tiangong station, according to a statement from the China Manned Space Agency. Um, according to a statement, yeah, uh, agent uh, on the country's longest crewed space mission to date. Uh, the trio, uh, the first astronauts to be sent to the station, launched on a long March 2F rocket, uh, March 2F rocket, uh, in a much anticipated blast off broadcast live on state television. Lift off happened at 9.22 a.m., 2.22 Irish time from the Jian Launch Center in the northwest, uh, in northwest China's Gobi Desert, with the rocket rising into the clouds of smoke against the blue sky. After about 10 minutes, it reached orbit and the spacecraft separated from the rocket to loud applause on the control room among rows of blue-suited engineers. Uh, State broadcaster CCTV showed a live feed from inside the spacecraft uh, with three astronauts lifting their helmet visors um, and one smiling and waving at the camera. Another floated a pen just... uh, off his lap in zero gravity as he browsed the flight manual. Cameras outside of the craft broadcast live images of the Earth below. Uh, so that's pretty cool. The, the Chinese are getting in on the space race as well. Uh, so that might be, it might uh, encourage all the Americans to improve and China to improve to keep up with them and the European Space Agency and the whole lot. So, and the Russians. So it'll uh, it'll help to to like the like the the Cold War space race did help to move on a lot of different technology and create a lot of new things that might do the same, but hopefully there'll be no war involved or uh, no Cold War even. Hopefully it'll be just the space race. Um, Amazon pulls an Apple by reducing its App Store cut for smaller developers. Uh, Like Apple and Google, it's a program for those making less than 1 million in revenue. Uh, Amazon has decided it would like to attract more developers to its uh, more developers to its Android and Fire OS app store so it's following in the footsteps of Apple and Google by announcing a new Amazon App Store small business accelerator program that takes less money out of developers pockets but where Apple and Google reduced their cut uh, of a developer's first 1 million in revenue from 30% down to 15% Amazon's formula has a slight tweak It'll take a higher 20% of revenue, but give developers an additional 10% in AWS promotional credits. The idea is that if your app is using Amazon's popular AD, AWS cloud service anyhow, uh, services anyhow, it'll be the equivalent of you keeping 90% of the money. And if you happen to be using a competitor's cloud services, maybe Amazon will tempt you to become an AWS customer. Okay, so some of it is credits uh, if you use their cloud service. So 
they, they want to get other customers and if you are already a customer you'll be able to save extra money uh, if you're a company so that's good anyway either way it's it's a bit of extra money in the pockets of small companies trying to build up so that's always good uh, Leica phone announced by SoftBank in Japan so Leica is the they're famous for doing like high-end phones or high-end uh, cameras their lenses and things like that are kind of famous uh, so they've they've been over the last few years they've been lending their camera technology to lots of different companies uh, a lot of chinese uh, was it um possibly huawei or oneplus or something they had a uh, like like a lenses a few cameras over the years actually good few maybe six or seven different uh, phones over the years have had like a kind of camera technology on them it was a good selling point and a lot of the time they didn't have a lot of involvement or in other times then they, they they supplied the glass and things like that. So, But now it looks like they're maybe having their own phone. SoftBank has announced a Leica branded phone. Oh, maybe Leica branded. Okay, maybe not. For the Japanese market. Leica has lent its name to phone camera systems before. But the Let's Phone 1 is the first time that Leica brand an iconic red dot has taken precedence on a smartphone. Also, it's you know, it's a fully Leica branded. It's not just like a Samsung with Leica technology or something. It's a full Leica branded phone. So, um, the camera system is, of course, going to be paramount for a device like this, and the hardware here is certainly useful, certainly unusual. That's a single twenty megapixel one inch sensor, the biggest in any phone, uh, with a nineteen millimeter equivalent f one point nine ultra wide lens meaning the other focal lengths will need to use digital zoom. Uh, that sounds familiar. Well, Sharp announced um, at the same time, uh, same exact same thing a month ago, the Aqueous R6 uh, has the same name like a branded can- camera system, though the Lights Phone 1 makes it look a lot bigger, and other specs like 120Hz Pro IGZO OLED screen are also to match. So it's kind of a... It's a technology they gave to Sharp for one. I didn't even know Sharp were making phones. But um, they gave to Sharp to use on, on their phone is going to be used in um, in their, their own phone. Uh, on the other hand, the Aquios R6 doesn't come with a lens cap and matching case. <laughs> so it comes with a lens cap. It's really like a camera with a phone added on. Uh, so, well, if they're going to do that, why don't they just do a 35mm altogether in? Stick a phone on it. Uh, SoftBank is also selling the Aquios R6 alongside the Lights Phone 1, and it uh, and it isn't attempting to hide the similarities between the two phones. Instead, it's positioning the R6 as a model for someone who just wants the Leica camera, and the Lights Phone 1 for those who value Leica's hardware design. And besides, that could be more in keeping with Leica tradition than tweaking existing phones with a red dot. Pre-orders on the Lights Phone will start in Japan. It'll cost $1,700. So, Janie, that's a lot. It'll want to be a very good um, a very good camera for that kind of price. So, uh, Amazon confirms it removed RAV Power, a popular phone battery and charger brand, just like Aki and Empow, except perhaps more thoroughly. Why, what's wrong? Empowers? I've found them quite good. Uh, one month ago, Amazon first gadget brands, Aki and Empow, suddenly and mysteriously disappeared. I didn't know that. And the giant online retailer storefront, with almost all their electronics vanishing from Amazon's shelves today, a 
popular battery and charger brand RavPower has completely disappeared as well. And Amazon now confirms the verge that it was the one that removed RavPower from its store and it removed uh, Aki and MPOW previously. Amazon hasn't said yet why it took action on RavPower, but it's not hard to imagine what happened here. On Sunday, the Wall Street Journal's Nicole uh, Nigan ran a story about how her new RAV power charger included an offer for a $35 gift card in exchange for a review, something that Amazon confirmed was a violation of the company policy. Amazon banned incentivized reviews in 2016. Uh, Nigan tweeted about RAV power's removal. Oh, so is that it? Uh, following my fake uh, review story, listings for Amazon native electronics brand RavPower. so this is the her her email the company offered a 35 dollar gift card for reviews on a product that was sold directly by amazon itself RavPower acted as a wholesale vendor on that listing oh so okay that's a that's a would i don't know maybe they got warnings already but that seems to be a, a big punishment for like the first offense kind of thing or something if it is the first offense if it's just like oh they they wanted a good review and they 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 got someone okay you have to stop that now if that ever happens again then you're caught or something but yeah it seems a bit i don't know a little bit harsh possibly because that could be a massive part of their revenue and as a result all of rab power's product listings have disappeared leaving blank white spaces in the company's amazon storefront searches for rav power don't bring up any listings for products made by the company existing links to rav power products either point to amazon sorry we couldn't find that page uh, or cute 404 dogs or listings that read currently unavailable uh by and large, uh, that is exactly what happened to Aki, Empower, and other lesser-known electronic retailers last month, except here. Amazon has been... Except here? What does that mean? Uh, Amazon has been a bit more thorough. Uh, you can actually still find a couple of Aki listings on Amazon, while RavPower seems to have got, have none. Uh, another important... Di- yeah, but yeah, I know they're paying people. That doesn't mean that the products are bad either, you know. Um, it just means that they were trying to kind of adver- well yes yeah, i don't know they could have just paid for advertising i was supposed they were trying to get fake reviews or pay for reviews but that happens all the time you see um youtubers come on with paid promotion and they're acting like it's a review um but it's not like it's just uh, they're paid to say what they're sa- they said they're even given scripts sometimes you know and these are like a lot of them are kind of legit tech reviewers but they even admit it like on podcasts and things like yeah i was just paid to do that i was just paid to say it. that's why paid promotion is up if you've paid promotion is up don't take too much some of them even say it on the video like this is i've been paid to do this one you know uh it wouldn't be in my top 10 but it's it's a and then they try to justify it oh it's a good product though and it's good value for money and i'd like it anyway even if i'm not getting paid or whatever but even even just after they said that they probably wouldn't like or they try to hint to you because they're getting paid they have to stay positive but but that that happens all the time but amazon wants to stop that i suppose um amazon would not tell us last month if they actually removed aki and empower merely giving us a generic statement that suggested it generally suspends sellers that violate our the integrity of our store but it confirmed both removals to the verge today at the time like i don't know a lot of those like the likes of empower they didn't need to do that i suppose because they're selling i'm sure they're selling a lot of products because they're they're pretty cheap and they work pretty well and they're fairly reliable uh Aki, the same i think i have some Aki stuff and i think they've been okay so they didn't need to do that you know 
Um, so that's a pity. At the time, Aki and Impo didn't respond to requests for comment. Fake, inflated, paid and other forms of scammy reviews run rampant on Amazon and other online platforms. And uh, suspicious looking cards in Amazon purchases all the time. Um, it's weird to think that RavPower would need to stoop to this behavior, though we've regularly featured good products that the company makes. Yeah, see, that's it. Like, uh, they didn't need to do that. You know, they were, they were. I'm sure they were selling well, but I'm. A lot of these companies have boards and stuff, and they push them to. You know, we need to be up another twenty percent this month, kind of thing, and like they have to just do anything they can to increase revenue and increase sales and things like that. So. It's a pity because they're they're growing companies. They're doing well, and this will be a big hit for them. You know, uh, they might have got a little bit out of doing that, but they're going to be five steps backwards now by by being taken down off of the store. So our last few stories here: how to activate and use Google Chat. The new chat and rooms apps are Google's answer to Slack. Uh, Real time collaborative chat. Uh, as exemplified by such such as Slack, has become a common way to communicate between colleagues and friends, especially since uh, last year when so many of us transitioned to working from home. Google has apparently taken note of this and is pitting itself against Slack by taking two of the features from its corporate workplace uh, app suite, chat and rooms, and integrating them into its standard Gmail app. Uh, Google Chat allows you to hold chat sessions with friends and groups of um, friends on an informal or formal basis the former can be done just between two people or between several in what google calls a group conversation the latter is done via that's very handy um the latter is done via a separate space that google currently calls a room now like a lot of places just set up like um whatsapp groups and things like that but if people don't want to use their phone numbers or have others that can see their phone numbers or something like that uh, this might be another way around it. It might be handy to just be an email address. Uh, what's the difference? According to Google, chat is simply a way for two or more people to chat together without any formalities. For example, if you wanted to quickly talk about where you're going to meet for lunch, you'd create a group conversation amongst your friends. Once the conversation is done, it's done. Uh, a room, on the other hand, is more for long-term conversations. Each room has its own name, remains available for people to leave and rejoin and will send out notifications and can share files. You can even have rooms within rooms. It's for work projects, party planning, and other activity where you want to keep the conversation going over the course of days, weeks, or longer. Uh, if this sounds useful, uh, all you need to do is activate Google Chat on your Gmail account. Currently, at least, uh, you need to do is separately on your browser and on your mobile. Uh, tap the three-line icon at the top left corner, scroll down and select Settings. Select your account, then select General. If you're using an Android phone, check uh, off Show the Chat and Rooms tabs. If you're using an iPhone or iPad, toggle Show the Chat and Rooms tab on. Um, note that if you're using an iPhone or iPad, you'll have to close and reopen Gmail manually to activate the chat feature. On the bottom of the screen, instead of just mail and meet icons, you'll now also have chat and rooms icons. Um, on a browser, you have to, uh, on your computer, you'll have to go to your Gmail account, go to settings, the gear icon in the upper right corner, uh, select view all settings in the top menu, select chat and meet. If you have the choice of setting, uh, selecting chat, chat, classic hangouts and off, assuming that you want to try that, uh, click chat on that, click or Try chat. Click on that. 
Usually chat will appear on the left side of your Gmail screen, but you can choose to have it appear on the right side instead. Uh, by the way, chat and meet lets you hide uh, the meet selection uh, in the Gmail if you want to, and then click on save changes. So that's a few different ways of doing that. If you, if you, I was going through that a bit quickly, and you want to, you want to do it and listen back to this. Well, it's also on the Verge website, so you can look there. But also, this should be up as a podcast. So, if you look at Spotify or any of your latest pod, uh, your any any of your podcast apps that you use, search Tech Thursday with Patrick Sheehan, and you'll be able to find it. So you can listen back to this. And for our last story today. Jaguar Land Rover says it's developing a hydrogen-powered prototype vehicle. The automaker plans to start testing a vehicle later this year. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover's hope is working on a prototype hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. This is a real other alternative to electric as well, or sometimes it's used with electric as well. Um, you know, if they can, what what I've heard scientists and stuff say, it's that the inefficiency of hydrogen. That it, the, how much it takes to produce um, versus how efficiently it burns and things like that compared to fossil fuels. But, you know, the more you use it, I'm sure fossil fuels in the start were being, weren't very efficient either. Uh, and they had to make engines more efficient and doing more miles to the gallon and everything like that. Sure, years ago, cars used to drink petrol or drink diesel. And nowadays, they're much more efficient. You're getting 60 miles, 70 miles to the gallon out of certain types of engines and things like that. So hopefully, uh, they can keep working on hydrogen and um because it's very clean, you know, like the, the a lot of them, they say the waste is the only waste out of it is water. So and it burns very cleanly, uh, so there's no there's no waste out of it. So hopefully they can do it and find a, a efficient a way and uh, energy efficient and environmentally efficient way of producing hydrogen because batteries being produced as well cause a lot of um, of pollution and things like that. Uh, strip mining for for um, um, lithium and things like that. Uh, so they're they're not exactly clean to make either. So. There's other alternatives and, you know, hydrogen is a lot easier when it comes to refueling and things like that rather than batteries where you have to plug in and wait for a couple of hours or even with the most efficient ones, wait for at least an hour or maybe from empty to full um, on a fast charger like the, the, which aren't too many around. But hydrogen is like filling petrol. You know, you just, I think you, I saw some uh, Top Gear or something, one of the guys doing it where you just put in the, the hydrogen uh, like fuel pump and then lock it in place and it kind of it talks to the car and it fills up whatever you've paid for and it it makes sure it's cut off before you unlock it and take it off again so it's it's like two percent more complicated than filling petrol but <laughs> it's grand um it's it's uh, it's pretty and it's it's quick and then you you can often you can drive for another six or seven hundred kilometers or whatever it is you can fill up quickly, so that's another another alternative that might work out well, uh, but you never know. Battery technology could improve where they have long life batteries with fast charging that can like charge in under five minutes and and drive for six or seven hundred kilometers and you know be up there with with the the fuel cars at the moment and it might be needed or something in the middle it might end up um you know but i don't know if something will win out or both of them will be going i don't know uh but we have to wait and see anyway so um that's it for tech thursday today hope you've enjoyed it
Uh, I've been Patrick Sheehan. I'll be back with you again next week. As I say, any questions, you can always call 069 or you can text or WhatsApp 087-166-9800. But as always, the best way to get me is reception102 at gmail.com. Mark it down for Patrick Sheehan or Tech Thursday and I'll get back to you on the next show with any of your tech-related questions. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM.